Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. For this, episode 13, we're going to talk about surviving a very cold night. And for Tech Talk, we'll talk about the cheap Chinese diesel heater. For product review, we're going to talk about hot hands. And for a place to visit, we're going to discuss an idea rather than a specific place. So welcome. Welcome back, folks. And yes, in fact, I did survive. I spent a week in the van up in Madison, Wisconsin, and the temperatures got very, very cold at night. The coldest I recorded was negative five degrees Fahrenheit, and that was at 7 a.m. on the third night I spent up there. I slept up there a total of five nights. If you can take your van and stay places that are negative five degrees Fahrenheit, you can do a whole lot. I mean, that opens up just about everywhere in the winter. So for my trip, um, I did research to make sure I knew I had options for where to stay. I, I checked all the apps, I checked the websites and stuff, and I knew that uh, some of the Walmarts had problems up there. There's two main Walmarts. One of them has clearly posted no parking signs. The other um, is a very strange Walmart. It has a parking garage and then an outside area. Uh, after Talking to people and learning about things, it seems that the no parking signs at the one Walmart are mostly for big rigs. Uh, if you go in there with a van, they don't really care. And the other lot, uh, the other Walmart with the parking garage, they don't care if you park outside. But if you park in the garage, which, let's face it, would be awesome, uh, they will come and roast you out. It's no longer a 24-hour Walmart. It closes at 1 o'clock, and apparently after 1 o'clock, they send someone out in the parking lot to boot out everybody. So uh, I didn't have to deal with that. I spent my first night at the Walmart in the outer lot. Uh, there was another van there that may or may not have been a camper van. I don't know. It's just a plain white van. And uh, it was fine. They got up in the morning. No problems. Now, that night, it only got down to about 25, so I was easily comfortable in my van with my Olympian Wave heater. Uh, I had it set on low all night, used less than a can of propane, which I, 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 that's my budget is kind of one can of propane per night, which I'm getting at Walmart for about two fifty a can. If you buy the four packs of propane at Walmart, it is by far the cheapest way to get the stuff. In fact, it's like half as much as getting it at, say, Cabela's. So, uh, there's, there's a big tip right there. Um, I went about my day, you know, I was up there to do training. So every day I was getting up and getting dressed in semi-casual clothes and heading off to training and then, and then coming back. Uh, and then things got a little weird. So, um, like I said, this episode's mostly going to be about this tale. So the, the, the structure is going to be a bit strange, but I, I do want to tell you this story that I, I didn't expect, um, it's the first time this has happened to me. <laughs> anyway, let's just tell the story. So I, it was snowing and they were going to get maybe six or seven inches of snow. Not, not a big deal, especially for Wisconsin. I have really decent tires on my van and I had tested that I could drive in the snow. No problem. I had no worries about the snow at best. It was just an inconvenience. And I knew in the morning I'd have to clean the snow off my solar panels, but you know, big deal. So I went to the Cabela's, which has been very accommodating. The Cabela's in Madison, Wisconsin is very nice. I highly recommend it. And it's a great place to spend the night. And, uh, there's a few weird stories that are about to happen here. So, um, 
a pull in there. And of course the, the parking lot's covered in snow. And, uh, I know they have a place that you're supposed to park. They actually have RV spots, but I can't see the lines. So I'm not really sure where they are. So I'm driving around and you can drive around the whole building. And uh, on one end of the building, there are all these container boxes, like, uh, from a container ship or a rail car. And, uh, in the military, I think they call them Connex boxes. And there, there's maybe six of them and they're at weird angles. They're just kind of in the parking lot. And I notice that there are rabbits. Uh, they live underneath the Connex boxes. So uh, I actually parked and just kind of watched the rabbits frolic about, and they were apparently surviving off the bark of the landscaping. <laughs> like, uh, there were birch trees in the landscaping that had a whole lot of bark missing at the bottom, but they were having their own little happy lives and they seemed nice and warm. And, you know, I just left them alone and took a couple pictures, but I, I needed to figure out if that's where I was supposed to park. I decided that it wasn't. I, I started thinking about people needed to access these, access these boxes and you wouldn't want RVs blocking them. So that apparently wasn't where I was supposed to park. So I drove around to the other side of the building and Hey, there's a van. Okay. There's a clue. It was a Ford transit connect, a van about the same size as mine. Uh, but it was the model that had windows in the back. Uh, so it didn't necessarily scream at me that it was a camper, but there was something weird. The driver's side door was open and I don't mean unlocked. I mean, it was open a good couple of feet. And I could see that there was nobody in the driver's seat. So I'm thinking, did somebody leave the van and the door accidentally got left open? Or did somebody break into it? Or what was going on here? So I'm staring at this, trying to figure out whether I should call the police or maybe go in the store and say, hey, there's something up with a van out here. And then I realized that I'm in the snow. The snow leaves tracks. You can figure out what happened by looking at the tracks in the snow. Just like I figured out that those rabbits lived underneath the Connex boxes because I could follow their trails. And the snow trail around this van was odd. From the driver's side door, clearly someone had gotten out of the van, but then immediately gotten back into the van through the driver's side sliding door in the back. And then they had shut that door. And that was it. There were no other tracks. So based on those tracks, it looked like somebody was in the van. Okay, that's fine. It's still strange to have the front door open though. So I, I walked over to the van and said, Hey, hello, anybody home? No response, nothing. And so I'm kind of left in this conundrum here. Um, am I invading somebody's space or is there somebody in some kind of need or I really had no idea what was going on. So it was about eight o'clock at this point and I knew the store closed at nine. So I decided let's just leave this alone. I parked my van, not too far from that van and went inside the store and, and did a bit of shopping. Uh, that's kind of a rule I have is that I'm, if I'm going to stay in a parking lot of a business, I want to try to shop there and Cabela's has stuff I like. So I ended up buying a couple pairs of pants and a shirt and stuff and you know, everything's well, but it took some time. I also took advantage of the restroom that was there because of course I did. Uh, got my stuff, got back out. And when I got to my van, that other van was gone. So I will never know the story of why somebody was in their van with the driver's side door open with during the snow, during a snowstorm. Um, I can imagine some things, none of them are great, but, uh, at any rate, that was the start of my night. So I'm already a little bit on edge of like, oh, this is weird. Still. 
that told me that where that van was, was actually where the RVs were supposed to park. And in the bushes, I found the dump station. So I knew this was it. This is right. This is where the RVs park. This is where I'm supposed to be. It was also where all the employees were parked. So, you know, I thought it, you know, it was cool. I had checked it out. The Cabela's was safe to park at. Everything was good. And so I parked there and there were all the employees there and, uh, they were coming and going and some of them were talking in the parking lot and slamming doors. And of course the employees don't leave when the store closes. Some of them stay later. And I was like, I'm just going to move. It's too noisy. Um, so I just drove my van to the other side of the parking lot. It's a massive, massive parking lot. And where this Cabela's is, is on the edge of kind of a shopping district, kind of a shopping center. And there's unfinished lots next to it. So I parked over by one of the unfinished lots, knowing that um, there wasn't going to be any traffic over there and I wasn't going to be in anyone's way. But I didn't consider something carefully enough. Do you know what it is? Have you ever noticed that after a snowstorm... Uh, big stores, their lots are plowed. Do you know how that happens? That happens at night when all the cars are gone. All the cars, except for my van. So I'm all nestled in and nice and cozy. I've got my Olympian Wave 3 going. I'm in my sleeping bag and it's getting to be nice and I'm like, and then I hear, noom, noom. And I'm suddenly like, uh-oh, what's that? And then I think about where I parked and I'm like, well, technically I'm in a place where the snowplows don't actually need to plow. I'm in, I'm in a part of the lot that is kind of the connector road to this unfinished lot. You can't actually go anywhere on this road. Why would they need to plow over here? So I'm thinking, ah, I'll just ignore it. I'll just sleep there. It'll be cool. Well, I hear, and like, okay, so how long can it take to plow this lot? I mean, this was a big articulated tractor with a massive snow plow in the front. Surely it would do it pretty quickly. Apparently at that point, the guy noticed my van and made a beeline for it, parked outside the van and just revved the engine. Didn't beep a horn or anything, because for all I know, this tractor doesn't even have a horn. It just went, like enough times that I knew he was trying to get my attention. I'm like, ah, shit. So what do I do? Here are my options. I play dumb and stay in the van and ignore that all this is going on and they will plow around the van. It'll probably be fine. Or... Maybe the guy's vindictive and he'll end up putting snowbanks all around my van, possible. Or he'll know that his standard procedure is that he's to call the police and have vehicles removed by tow truck if they're in the way. Of I don't know. So my answer to the problem is, is what it always should be. I move. I don't get dressed. I don't set up the camper to be a vehicle rather than a house. I just crawl into the front seat in my pajamas fire up the engine and drive off in search of another place to park. Now, I really liked the Scabellas. I really wanted to stay there, but I thought, Hey, I'll find someplace else to park. It'll be no problem. I went to the other spots on my list and they all hadn't been plowed yet. That meant I had the same problem. If I nestled in there, I'd be running into the same problem with the snowplow. Ugh, it's frustrating. 
Now, as it happened, the, the geography of this place is that there's a Cabela's on one side and then there's an interstate and then there is a, a, a Woodford's, which is a big shopping, uh, big grocery shopping store on the other side that's elevated. And I made my way to Woodford's. I could see across the highway and watch them plowing the Cabela's. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just wait it out here. So I sit in my van and I actually park on the side of the Woodford's, which isn't a place that I would have spent the night. Uh, but I thought, okay, this is good. I'll just, you know, kind of doze in the seat here and wait till they're done. Well, an hour later, they're still not done. Apparently it takes quite a while to plow one of these lots. And they, and they ended up having two vehicles. They had the massive articulated tractor and there was also a pickup truck with a plow on it. And then the plow at Woodford starts up. They have their own pickup truck plow and they have a little bobcat that does the sidewalks. And no matter where I go, I'm in their way. Even though the store's open and people are shopping, I cannot seem to get out of their way. It's like they spotted me and they were going to follow me around. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but that's certainly how it seemed because I was tired and wanted to sleep. So... Next to the interstate, between the interstate and Cabela's, there was a, a hotel. It was a Hilton. And there were cars parked in the parking lot of the hotel. And I thought to myself, hmm, they're going to need to be plowed too. But then I realized it's a hotel. They have a strange problem in that at night, their lot is full of cars. And during the day, it's going to be more empty. I'll bet they're going to plow during the day. So I drove over there. And I was thinking, I'll just stay here until they're done at the Cabela's, but I'm going to set up and like kind of have a nap. So I pulled in between two other cars, knowing that I was not going to be the cause of the problem in that case, because those two other cars weren't going to move. And I fell asleep at the Hilton for about half an hour. And then the plow started up. Apparently what they actually do is that they plow at night as well and just do what they can. And that guy was doing slaloms around all the parked cars and ugh. at some point he left and I just fell asleep and that was it for the night. I ended up spending the night in the hotel parking lot and it was fine. Uh, it was just a situation that I had not encountered before and did not plan well enough. So word to the wise, if you're going to do stealth camping at night and it snows, you are going to have to face the wrath of the snow plows and plan for that. Honestly, my suggestion would be to stay up as late as you can and find a lot that's already been plowed because they, these guys plowing these lots probably do it all night long. Uh, it's going to be tricky and it doesn't matter where you go, even on the streets, you're still going to have this problem of the plows. Except for that parking garage at the Walmart. Boy, I wish they would let people park there, but that's not what they do. <sighs> anyway. Tech Talk. Hey, let's talk about cheap Chinese diesel heaters. So, in my rig, I've got the Olympian Wave 3, which I've reviewed before. It's a catalytic heater. And uh, it works great. I, I have no real complaints about it, but... I learned a very valuable lesson this week, which was that radiant heat is line of sight. So quick refresh. We have convective heat. We have radiant heat. We have conductive heat. In your house, if you have a hot air system of heat, that is basically convective heat. Hot air is coming out of those holes and warming up the air in your room and everything in your room gets warmed up by the air. 
that's a crappy way of explaining convective heat. Conductive heat is when you put your hand on something and it's warm. So let's say you had a hot plate, that would be conductive heat. And it's not kind of, we don't typically directly use that to heat our homes very much, unless you have a heated floor. Uh, heated floors can work that way. Radiant heat is like the heat of the sun. The heat will heat up what, from a line of sight from the object, basically think of it as heat waves come out and then they warm up whatever they hit. The air in between doesn't get warmed up. And this is the situation with the Olympian wave three. Everything in front of it was warm. The counter was warm. And if I stood in front of it, I was warm. If I held my hands in front of it, they were warm. But at the other end of the van, which was not line of sight for this thing, it was like there was no heat at all. That's fine to some degree, but when you have an extreme temperature difference in your van, like I did, you end up with this stratification problem. And this is what happened to me. <clears throat> My van, uh, when I put the bed out, the bed basically creates a tiered system in the van. Underneath the bed is this big area that I can't access at all when the, when the bed is, is deployed. And above the bed is like the living area. Well, when it was its coldest out at night, my ceiling was about 110 degrees, maybe a hundred degrees under the bed was below freezing. And this is in the same van, uh, you know, so maybe four feet of vertical space. The temperature is going from say 30 to a hundred, 110. Well, what's the solution to this? Well, the obvious solution is you have to move the air around. So I found that if I had, I have a marine fan in the back that has no cage, but it has blades that are safe to touch. It's actually a pretty powerful fan. I found that if I had that on full blast, it moved the air around enough in the van that it equalized the temperature enough for it to be comfortable. I was literally in a situation where if I laid on the bed outside the sleeping bag, my face and chest would be hot, but my feet would be freezing. It was, it was interesting. So the fan thing worked, but it has its own problems because fans make you feel cold. If you have any exposed skin and the wind is blowing on it, that makes you feel cold, which is the opposite of what you want. So I think a better solution, actually I knew this anyway, but a better solution for heating your van is the cheap Chinese diesel heater. So let's talk about that again. I, I've talked about it before, but I want to talk about it specifically about why it's better in this case. Um, the cheap Chinese diesel heater, if you Google that term, you'll find lots of talk about it. It has its own Facebook group with thousands of members. These things are very popular. They're maybe the size of a cracker box, like a, like a saltines cracker box, and they burn diesel fuel and produce hot air. The exhaust goes outside your van. You have to drill a hole in your van to run the exhaust line. So it can actually be a pretty substantial installation. But once you're done with that, you get this thing that produces dry, hot air, no condensation problems, just dry, hot air. And you can duct that and send it anywhere you want. So in a case like mine, I could have literally just ducted it and sent it underneath the bed where the hot air would have risen up on the sides and then warmed the entire van and my bed. I think it would have been super comfy. And here's another big advantage of these things. Like I said, it's dry air, so it will dry out anything that's wet in the van. It will also cut way, way down on the condensation, which is a very big deal at these temperatures. Normally I have to wipe condensation off the windshield. In on this trip, I had to scrape 
an eighth of an inch of ice off the windshield on the inside. I needed to actually fashion a little ice scraper because the one I have for the van is, is quite large and I couldn't even use it inside. That was something that I thought I realized I need to get one of those cheap ice scrapers to do this. I think the diesel heater would have stopped that. Now, the reason they're called cheap Chinese diesel heaters is because they are, there are, you know, better models made by the companies that probably invented them, like Wabasto and Ebbesbacher. They're German and they cost literally 10 times as much. And people will swear it's worth it. Oh, you want that German quality. And other people will say, you know what? These Chinese ones work really, really well. In my future plans, if I build another rig or if I alter the one I have now substantially, I'm going to install one of these cheap Chinese diesel heaters. They come in two basic forms. Uh, well, first off, they come in sizes and they're measured in kilowatts, which is another way to measure heat. Um, and it's, it's a pain to have to translate between all of these, but small is smaller and big is bigger. The recommendation is that you get the smallest one because these things are more efficient if they don't turn on and off. Because they burn diesel, um, every time it starts up and shuts down, some carbon gets deposited. And if it does that a lot, you get a lot of carbon that you need to clean out every year. So get the smaller one. But think about your fuel source. They burn diesel. There are some that claim to burn gasoline. They're not legal in the U.S. They're very expensive. And by its nature, gasoline is not as good a fuel for heating as diesel. So I would just totally ignore those. But where are you going to get your diesel from? Well, if you have a diesel vehicle, it's pretty easy. You can tap into the fuel lines. Um, it's thing it does not use that much fuel. It's not like it's going to drain your tank dry. So um, as long as you had half a tank of fuel, you're fine. And if you don't have half a tank of fuel, hey, go get gas before you go to sleep. Jeez. But what if you don't have diesel? You have gasoline. You can't hook this up to the gas tank. What do you do? Well, when you buy it, it comes with a little tank. Um, and you just fill that with diesel. Or... You can fill it with kerosene. You can actually use lamp oil. There's a bunch of different oils that you can use, although they're designed for diesel. And then you've got different kinds of diesel you can use. You can use road diesel. You can use off-road diesel because technically this is an off-road use for this. Figure that out yourself. Just get your diesel. And then you fill this container with it and it burns that. So you end up with another fuel tank. And it's, it's not that big. It's, a, it's a, maybe a pint. Of course, you can feed this into whatever you want. I mean, if you want to have a five-gallon jerry can full of diesel, you can feed off of that too. They also make these all built-in, all-in-one units that I think is where I would go. It's all the components, this, the fan speed, the thermostat, the vent, the unit itself, and the fuel tank all built into one metal object that looks like a tall briefcase. It's permanently mounted. It kind of looks portable, but you must permanently mount it. But then everything is all in one place, and uh, I just think it looks nicer. And the downside is that you can't hide stuff. A lot of people will install these diesel heaters like under their passenger seats. You wouldn't be able to do that with the uh, all-in-ones. Uh, and what I think I will do is I will have the diesel, little diesel tank that it will use. And then I'll have to have another source of diesel somewhere in the vehicle, whether I hang a jerry can off the door or if I build an elevated bed and there's one in the, uh, in the, what's called the garage area, that's fine too. Here's the thing about diesel. Uh, it is much, much, much safer than gasoline. Gasoline vaporizes at ridiculously low temperatures and that vapor can explode. Diesel isn't like that. Diesel's more of an oil. It just kind of sits there waiting to be burned. 
it can make a huge mess if it spills, of course, and it definitely has an odor. You've got all that to worry about, but you don't have the same danger you do as, uh, as with gasoline. So I'll have links in the show notes. Um, there's 8 million different companies making these things. A lot of people buy them on eBay. You can get them on Amazon. There's all kinds of different options. But uh, if you're looking for a heat solution that makes a lot of sense, definitely check out the cheap Chinese diesel heater. There's one thing I didn't mention, though, that I, I need to bring up. Just because it burns diesel doesn't mean it doesn't use electricity. It turns out these things use a lot of electricity when they first start up. Diesel burns by what's called a glow plug. Even if you have a diesel car or truck, it works this way. You, you, you've heard of spark plugs. These are similar, but not the same thing. It's a glow plug and it's literally a piece of metal that glows red hot that starts the diesel burning. First time you start up your diesel heater, it has to do this process where it heats up the glow plug and then for about 10 minutes, it's using a lot of amps, like maybe 10 amps. So you do need some serious battery power behind this. Once it's warmed up, after that, you're just powering the fan and just a little bit of glow plug, and it's maybe two amps or three amps. It's not that big of a deal to get through the night with. But know that you need some beefy batteries to start with. One idea is to simply start it while the van's running. And then hopefully you've got a split charge relay, and then your alternator is going to take the brunt of that power hit and your batteries will be left alone. But I just had to mention that because a lot of people skip over that. So cheap Chinese diesel heater links in the show notes. I think it's a great thing, even though I technically haven't tried it yet. All right. So here's a product review. And again, everything is related to uh, this night. Um, I had a sleeping bag that was rated to zero, zero degrees Fahrenheit. And again, as we've talked about before, ratings on sleeping bags are not about how comfortable they are. It's about the survivability temperature. So theoretically, you would survive at zero degrees in the sleeping bag, but that doesn't mean you'd be comfortable. So keep that in mind. But zero is pretty low, so this is a good sleeping bag for how I was using it. I really like it, actually. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have down, and it's not a mummy bag. It's a regular squared-off bag. So for me, it's very comfortable. If it's a, just a Coleman bag, it was like 75 bucks, not a huge deal. It's a little bit bulky. That's probably its downside, is that it's big. But it is not perfect at keeping my feet warm on these really cold nights. Uh, in the past, I've uh, countered this by heating up a water bottle. So uh, you just heat hot water and put it in a water bottle, put it at the base of your sleeping bag, and that'll keep you warm most of the night. That absolutely works. But on these super cold nights, that means you have to heat up water. Heating up water in the van adds even more water vapor to air that is already sucking up all the water vapor it can. And all that water vapor is going to end up frozen on your windshield. So I would like a way to avoid that. And that is hot hands. So hot hands um, are these, they look like big tea bags and you can buy them anywhere that cold stuff is sold. I mean, certainly at Home Depot, but at ski shops, Amazon has them, of course. And all they are is they're little bags filled with chemicals that when they're exposed to air, give off heat for eight hours. And they give off a lot of heat. Um, they can get up to 160 degrees, which is actually a little bit too hot to touch, but not hot enough to light anything on fire. They come in packs of two usually. There's different sizes. There are some meant to fit in your shoes and there are some for your, your hands. I recommend the ones for your hands that you would put in your pockets. They're usually under a dollar for two. What I did was I activated them 
threw one at the bottom of my sleeping bag and then kept one up by my chest in the sleeping bag. And then throughout the night, as I may have gotten a little colder from time to time, I would simply find that hot, uh, the hot hand and bring it over to where I needed it. And boy, you know what? It really worked. And in the morning it was still hot. Now I said the word chemical and I know a lot of people freak out about that. Um, chemophobia is bad. Try to avoid it. In this case, the chemicals we're talking about are basically iron and, and some buffers. What, what's happening here is you, it's, it's either fast rust or slow burning. Those are the reactions going on here. It's iron turning into iron oxide that gives off heat. Anyway, it works. And Hey, for 79 cents, you can have a nice warm night without doing anything crazy. So, uh, that's hot hands. I highly recommend it. Nothing I have found says that it's dangerous to have it in your sleeping bag. I, it, it does not get hot enough to ignite anything. And, uh, boy, it was really nice to have on these super cold nights. For a place to visit this time, I would just like to say something general. And that is, don't be afraid of the winter. Some of the best places I've visited, most beautiful things I've seen have been in the winter. You've got a camper van. You can take it out in the winter. There are ways to stay warm. There are precautions you must take. Of course, you want to be careful that you're not going to get stuck. You want to have good snow tires. You want to have extra fuel, extra water, etc., etc., etc. But I'm encouraging you to just give it a shot. Have a good plan and go find someplace. You're going to find solitude, quiet, and absolutely beautiful vistas. Just as an example, my wife and I went to a park up by Egg Harbor in Wisconsin. It's just, a, you know, it's a park. They actually have camping in the summer, but not in the winter. And it's right on Lake Michigan and it's beautiful to drive around there. The, the lake is frozen in the winter. You can walk on it. You can probably even drive on it, but we weren't going to do that. And we found this just really cool thing, which was there was a spot where you could easily park. And if you stood there with sunflower seeds in your hands, chickadees would come out of the pine forest and land on your hand and take the sunflower seeds. This is simple. You know, it's a nice, simple pleasure, but it was a great memory. It was the kind of thing that rejuvenates and, and makes you want to go out and see more. So that was only because we were willing to go out and travel in the winter. So that's my invitation to you this week. The winter is your friend. Embrace it. Just wear a nice warm coat. Thank you very much for listening to this episode 13. Next time we're going to talk about having air conditioning in your van and hmm, some controversy there. What size wires to use? A crazy Walmart table and a great place to visit that is involved with smuggling. Music was by Simon Wagg, a.k.a. Sir Mouge. That's all we have this time. Do something that you've never done before this week and don't regret it.